Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Chapter 12 of Anselm's Treatise on Truth is entitled On the Definition of Justice, De Definitione Justitiae, right? And this is an absolutely important chapter. It looks sort of like a digression or an application within the Treatise on Truth itself, but it's going to play an absolutely central role in nearly all of the other major Anselmian works that follow it and can be read backward into the Monologian and Proslogian as well, where we're trying to understand what justice actually is. And so Anselm and his student are going to clarify the nature of justice, and they're going to give us the outlines of a rather robust theory that ties it directly and most importantly, you know, sort of foundation to the will where other types of justice, like justice of action, are going to be derivative of justice in the will. So they begin by talking about rectitude again. And the student says, you've taught me all truth is rectitude. It seems to me that rectitude, rectitudo, rightness, and justice are the same. So teach me what I should understand. It seems that whatever is right is also just. And conversely, whatever is just is right. And he gives two examples here. It seems right and just that fire should be hot and that each person should love those who love that person. So is this the the case that justice and rectitude are the same? We know that they're the same in the highest nature that is in God. What about in other things? And here Anselm is going to lead the student through realizing that we're actually using rectitude and justice in two different ways. And and he says, we can talk about this in a very broad sense, right? Um, A stone falling or fire burning, is that justice in the moral sense? Not exactly. But in a broad sense, we can actually say that truth, rectitude, and justice mutually define each other. Say, say, definient in Latin, right? Invicum is, is used there as well. So there's this, this sense that all of these are connected with each other and in a broad sense within the world, they, they help us to define them and thereby to understand them. But in a stricter sense, we can say that justice is when somebody does willingly what they ought to do. And here the student is going to raise some problems as well. We know that the stone acts naturally and not by willing, right? And so Anselm says, yeah, the stone is not called just on that account, but only that which does what it ought to do willingly is just. And here the student will bring up a very interesting example. He says, okay, when something does willingly what it ought to do, What about a horse when he wishes to go to the pasture to go eat, right? Since he willingly does what he does. A horse does have a will and Anselm is going to say, yeah, it's following its nature. It's not choosing willingly and it doesn't actually understand what it's doing. So Anselm is going to tell us that justice in its moral sense is only in certain kinds of beings. What kinds of beings? Beings that 
no rectitude. It's actually framed in the negative. There is no justice in beings that do not know rectitude, right? Agnoskit in the Latin. But we can reverse it and say justice is in beings that know rectitude. So what would that include? Well, rational natures, which would include us. It would exclude horses. It would exclude stones. It would exclude fire. It might include anything else that would be rational. For example, it'll definitely include God because God is not only rational, but as we know from the monologian, supreme reason, right? But it would also include the angels and devils and any other rational nature as well. So this is a very important point. He says that what we're looking for here is a definition of justice as in a moral sense, that which merits praise, laudatio, and that it's contrary injustice as that to which blame, vituperitio, is due. And he says, whatever does not will rectitude, even if it has it, does not merit praise for its rectitude. One who does not no, it cannot will it. So the horse, because it doesn't know the rectitude that it's operating according to, it doesn't truly will it. So he, he goes on and he says, um, where is this then? Where is this rectitude within a human being? There's three options. It could be in the will, the voluntas. That's where it's actually going to turn out to be. It could be in knowledge, scientia, or it could be in deed, operatio, or action, right? And Anselm is going to say it's in the will. It's not in knowledge or in the deed. Why not? Well, he says, what if somebody understands rightly or acts rightly, but does not will rightly? Should one be praised for justice, right? If you understand and you don't will rightly, well, you're not going to do the thing that you're supposed to do. So actually doing what you should requires not only that you know it, but that you will it. But what about doing it without willing it? Can you actually do things that you don't will? Yes and no. I mean, if you fall down the stairs because you tripped up on your feet or you weren't looking where you were going or something like that, you don't say, oh, I willed to fall down the stairs. Now, some people could will to throw themselves down the stairs. But that's a little bit different. We do all sorts of actions or operations or deeds that we're not actually willing. And, you know, if we're compelled to do something, we're willing it in a sense, but also not willing it in another sense, as we're going to look at in just, just a minute. So it's going to be in the will. So we need to look at justice in the will. What is that going to look like? Anselm says, do you think the justice we seek is at this point sufficiently defined? Doing what you ought to do willingly. And the student says, well, you tell me. And so Anselm says, do you think whoever wills what he ought wills rightly and has rectitude of will? And the student brings up some good examples here, some problems. If anyone unknowingly does what he ought to, for example, if somebody unwittingly locks out someone who wants to kill another person in the house, whether or not they have some rectitude or will, he doesn't have what we're looking for. You, you would just say, well, that was really fortunate that you locked the door there. We're not praising you for having uprightness of will. You just happen to do the right thing at the time, right? If I'm walking along and there's a bank robbery going on and I'm like punching in the air because I like to do shadow boxing and the robber comes out and I punch him in the jaw, knock him out. Well, that's just an, a fortunate accident, right? You don't praise me for having the right will. And then Anselm says, okay, what do you say about the person who knows he ought to will what he wills? 
And then the student says, ah, we can have another kind of case here. It can happen. Somebody knowingly wills what he ought to, but doesn't will it because he ought to. And this is a really important distinction here, right? When the thief is forced to return the money he has taken, it's clear he doesn't want to. He's not willing to give the money back in, in some sense, right? He is indeed willing in the sense that like he makes a decision to give the money back because otherwise maybe they punish him or kill him or something like that, but he doesn't want to. And therefore he's forced to want to return it because he should, but he is in no way praised for his rectitude. Anselm gives another great example here. A person who feeds the poor out of vainglory wills what he ought to will, namely the right action of giving things to the poor. Is he on that account praised for willing to do what he ought? What do you make of him? And the student says, this rectitude, notice he's saying it is rectitude, it is doing the right thing, ought not to be praised and therefore does not suffice for the justice that we're seeking. So we've got some problems. It's not just doing the right thing. It's not even just willing to do the right thing. There has to be something more going on here. And so Anselm is going to introduce a really important distinction here. He says we can think about willing what we ought to do. That's sort of the bare minimum. If you want to have justice in the will, you actually have to will to do the right thing the thing that you ought to do in those circumstances. And don't worry over much about how do we define that? There's other places where he goes into detail about that. But then we also have another part of this, willing for, and we can translate it as for the reason, for the motive, the mindset, however you want to frame it. We can even talk about it as the because or the why, right? Or the on account of willing what you're doing for the reason that you ought to do that. And so there's quo debit, right? What you ought to do or what, what should be the case. And then there's quia debit, because it ought to be the case. There's, he uses also the word propter and propter aliud in this actually on, on account of something. But the broader idea here is that there's on this account for the sake of. We have the, as one great Anselmian scholar has talked about it, a objective and a subjective side to this, right? And they both need to be there in order for you to genuinely have justice in the will. Anselm will say that both of these are necessary for justice in the will, willing what it ought and for the reason it ought to. And then he asks the student, all right, have we arrived at where we need to be? Tell me if this is enough. And then the student says, well, why wouldn't it be? And so here Anselm is going to reveal to us something else. He says, when someone wills what he ought to because he is forced, does he not in some way will what he ought to because he ought to? And the student says, yes, but he wills it in one way and the just man in another. So consider the case of the robber, right? The robber is willingly giving back the things that he's stolen, but he doesn't really want to. And why is he doing it? What's the quia here? It's because he wants to avoid punishment or preserve his life or something like that. So we can get a little bit more specific about the because, the why here. And this is something absolutely central to Anselm's moral theory. So the student says this, when the just person wills what they ought to, they preserve rectitude of will for no other reason 
than to preserve it. So rectitude of will is being valued as something that needs to be preserved. Rectitude of will is supplying the propter, the quia debit here, the on account of. Why is the person choosing to do this? Because it is the right thing and they recognize that it's the right thing and they want to do the right thing because it's the right thing. Now, by contrast, one who wills what he ought to only when forced or persuaded by some external reward can be said to preserve rectitude, not for its own sake, but for the sake, propter, something else. Consider the case of the vainglorious person. You could say it's something external, right? I give money to the, the beggars and I'm like, everybody look at me, look at the charity I'm giving, right? And so that external thing, that reward of people saying, oh, what, a, what an awesome guy he is, right? That's external, but it's also internal. I want that warm, fuzzy feeling of people liking me and being able to say that I'm a cool guy or generous or whatever it is, right? And so it could be internal as well but it's not, and this is the key thing, rectitude for its own sake. So in order to be fully just, to have justice in the will, the person has to have the right motive, that of preserving rectitude, not for the sake of something else, but for its own sake, recognizing that this is something valuable. It doesn't have to be framed necessarily in their mind with the word rectitude or rightness or anything like that. They could just say doing the right thing, or they could say, well, I wanna be you know, a good person. There's lots of ways of framing this. I mean, you could even like go on and perhaps jump ahead a number of centuries to Immanuel Kant and like, you know, talk about the categorical imperative, which I think would actually, you know, fit into this in a certain way. Anselm is not a proto-Kantian, by the way, but there are some similarities there. And so he asks the student, therefore the will is just when it preserves rectitude for the sake of rectitude itself. And the student says, yes, either that or no will is just. And then he says, therefore justice is rectitude of will preserved servata for its own sake. And we get to this lapidary formula in Latin, rectitudo voluntatis propter se servata. Every single part of this is important. Rectitude, rightness of will, not just of intellect or action, propter se servata, preserved, maintained, enacted, you could even say, if we get a little bit metaphorical with this, for its own sake. So there's a referentiality here, rectitude of will that is preserving rectitude of will in its very operations. And then there's a very interesting discussion here that helps clarify some things. Anselm says, we, we need to worry about this preserved. If there's only justice of will when rectitude is preserved, then what about when we don't yet have it? And he says, we don't acquire justice when we acquire it, but we cause it to be justice by preserving it. And so he says, listen, we need to be clear about our language and our thought here. Preserving, servanda, right? Or servare acquiring, possessing, and receiving, Anselm will say for us, these are all simultaneous. As soon as we have received justice in the will, we are willing to maintain or preserve it. We possess it. We acquire it at that time. He, so he says, simul sunt tempore. They are at the same time. 
which is a very important classification. Somebody could worry or quibble that when do I actually get this justice? How does the causality and temporality work out here? There's two other points that I think are very important to stress. He also talks about the supreme justice, right? And he says, can this definition be adapted to the highest justice insofar as we can speak of it, of which nothing or little can properly be said. This is the divine, this is God, right? And he says, this is the student, although his will and his rightness don't differ, just as we say that the power of divinity or the divine power or divinity is able, since in divinity there is no difference between power and divinity, so not unfittingly, it's appropriate, it's not perfect to talk this way, but it works to speak here of the rectitude of will or voluntary rectitude or right will. And then he says, you know, in a certain way, this definition applies even more to God than it does to our own will. How so? He says, if we say that this rectitude ought to be preserved for its own sake, then there's nothing that fits this better than God. God maintains God's own rectitude. God would never lose rectitude, but God maintains that just by being God. It doesn't preserve something else but itself, not by something else but by itself, so not for the sake of something else but for the sake of itself. Very cool idea there. The last thing that he clarifies is when we're talking about human beings, what are we saying? Well, we talk about the just of heart, right? The just are sometimes said to be right of heart or just of heart. And Anselm says, what does this mean? Right in will. And sometimes we just say simply right without mention of heart because no one who does not have a right will is understood to be right. So, for Anselm, there is an absolute priority of the will when it comes to the justice of a human being and anything else that we want to call just. Their actions, states of affairs, relationships, all of that is connected to justice in the will. And he's provided a quite robust and well thought out definition of what justice in the will would consist in. Rectitude of will preserved for its own sake. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.